Hello, everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Tuesday, August 7th, and this is episode 62 of the Marty Called Podcast. Depending on how Mega Millions goes, this might be the last episode as well. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? Uh, there was a character on uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory named Mike TV. Yes. And I believe on the last Park uh, Cheese Lounge, I was referred to as Ben IP. Yep. So <laughs> I would like to go by that from now on. Uh, I would also like to point out that Gary made that joke about me and then went on to talk about, for about 15 minutes, about putting a 20,000 Leagues Nautilus ride <laughs> in Epcot, which i just like to remind him that's, uh, that's IP, Gary. So Old, old uh, movies don't count in Gary's eyes. Also, no, uh, to not. close the show, you will be singing Oompa Loompa style a song, Ben IP. I probably will be now. Okay. But make sure that there's are, there are lessons in the lyrics, or it doesn't. Yes, count. there needs to be lessons. <laughs> God, <laughs> what did you learn? <laughs> what rhymes with Snazberry and has to do with IP? <laughs> also, the uh, the Sultan of not sake but whiskey this time. How's it going, Josh? I'm here. I and <laughs> can't do that joke anymore. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> Speaking of uh, offensive things you've done, have you killed any country superstars lately? Uh, no, the rumors of Dolly Parton's death were greatly uh, overinflated, much like um, that you thought I was going to say her boobs, but I was going to actually reference Veruca from uh, Willy Wonka. I do like that, that. She's Wait, no. Who's the girl that blew up? That wasn't Veruca. That was... Uh, that was uh, uh, Violet. 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 Yep, yep, yeah, that's yep. right. Was not expecting this many Willy Wonka references. <laughs> yep, there you go. We're a Willy Wonka podcast. Ben, I have very would, limited pop culture knowledge, so when you mention something I know, I'm just going to like triple down on it. Yeah, anything in the last 30 years is just out. Uh, we actually tried. Uh, I looking through the sure. numbers on my phone. I texted the wrong ja- uh, Josh this week. That is on me. We were hoping for Josh Gad, but apparently he was booked doing another show. But uh, Ben, in your actually time- no 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 Josh Gad's here. We're just not going to let him talk. Oh, there you go. That's a, that's actually a better approach. We should probably and more, try and more to the point, he's gagged. <laughs> He didn't even have to be, but Josh gagged as opposed to Josh Gad. <laughs> we sh- we jammed a snozberry in his mouth. <laughs> the the line from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when <laughs> they're going through the, uh, the the tunnel. Ben, did you ever use that in the tunnel at Jungle Cruise? Like, did you ever drop a "There is no earthly way of knowing in which direction we are going"? No, I never did it, but it was definitely done a lot. Yeah. It always amused me when they did. I'm sure that that was on the no fly list for oh uh, yeah for, for sure. jokes. But anyway, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory aside, <laughs> we do have other topics to discuss here. I do want to see the new movie. It looks good. The uh, I I can't support Timothy Chalamet because he spells his name wrong. But uh, <laughs> I have a genie plus changes here. Sorry. Speaking what? of before we change gears, when you were jungle, <laughs> did you ever do the the elephant ball joke? <laughs> no, what? I didn't. Never. I never did the elephant ball joke. What do you do if you have an elephant with three balls? If the elephant has three balls? Uh, what? You walk, you walk them and pitch yeah. to the rhino? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's Man, a pretty good a Jungle good, Cruise joke I, because that's it's a good suggestive. One. And, yeah, I think that's good. I mean, yeah. As a Jungle Cruise skipper slash baseball expert, I would have to say you did pretty <laughs> shitty on that joke. <laughs> I did. I did. My bad. I, I never worked the Jungle Cruise, you fools. <laughs> Whatever, Muppet. So uh, we, we did uh, pull out a few listener questions. But we also wanted to hit on a couple of news items. First, the Hatbox Ghost is going into the endless hallway in Disney World in deference to just outside of the attic, where it is in Disneyland or in the attic as it was originally for uh, two minutes in Disneyland. 
Have either of you seen the Haunted Mansion movie? That's the a negative. No, plan, plan, plan on seeing it this week, but have not seen okay. it yet. Isn't there one the, version of it with Kirsten Dunst in it? I think you're thinking it's, of the Tower of Terror movie. Yes, Steve you Gunner. are. Oh, yeah. Disregard. <laughs> Which was probably buildings. better. That was probably a better movie than the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. Well, and that's Eddie little Murphy, known. They're actually right. putting Steve Gutenberg in the stretch room as well uh, while they <laughs> put the Hatbox Ghost in. So, Well, he already has a scene in Spaceship Earth as well. Right? Damn it. I was literally <laughs> going there right now. <laughs> anyway. I'm a good goot joke. <laughs> I, I understand I shouldn't be offended by this uh, ghost in the hallway be, based on the movie, but that's uh, probably not going to be enough for you not to be pissed about it, Tim. Well, I mean, is it real? It's not a hill that I'm going to die on by any means. And I think had it not been placed just outside of the attic in Disneyland, I don't think anybody would care. I think because of where it's placed in Disneyland, that's where you're seeing the objection. And I know yeah. that technically you're not supposed to see ghost materialize pre-seance, but so, I also, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was thinking about that as well. You guys touched on it on Park Cheese a little bit, but the the you obviously have the ghost playing the piano, but it's just a shadow, so it's not uh, right. I, I don't know what form you want to call that, but then you also have the uh, the casket and the and that I, isn't in Disneyland, right? Not, I don't think it is. Is it not? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the piano playing ghost isn't in Disneyland. One of those yeah. two is not in Disneyland. Yeah, I think the, I think the casket is. I'm not 100 percent sure, but the, at least for the Florida version, I didn't know what that was. Especially when, with regards to everybody getting up in arms about the Hatbox Ghost going here. It, to me, it was like it seems like there's a there's something coming out of a casket. Uh, <laughs> is that a person that's alive that's trapped in there, or is that you know we see a hand? So there is a there is a figure that we we uh, that is. In front of our eyes, I don't know what that is. Is it a zombie? Is it some whatever? So it, I guess that part may be lessen the offensiveness of having him be in the hallway as opposed to after the Madame Leota scene. You know, my whole life I've had people tell me I overthink shit. But <laughs> hearing the fact that people are complaining about this leads me to believe that I'm not nearly as bad as I've been told. Because, I mean, who who is thinking about this stuff that hard? I mean, holy shit. Are these people capable of having a good time under any circumstance? Grassy you do kind of Tim. <laughs> you do kind of hope that Imagineering is thinking of it. But at the same time, how much of, and again, discussed on Park Cheese. This is the Park Cheese recap show. How <laughs> much of the lore of Haunted Mansion was fan created versus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. actual story of the attraction? And I mean, we know... As a perfect example of this, the stanchion that was cut off outside of the attraction, they decided to make a backstory about that Mm -hmm. being a a wedding ring. And the official story on the Keys of the Kingdom that they tell is that you need Madame Leota to summon all of the ghosts, and that's why they're more visible after that. But was that actually the Imagineering intent, or did it just kind of work out that way? I don't don't know if that is... uh official word if you can only hear it on a what $200 per person tour. Oh, definitely. And I think the <laughs> that's the other thing too, like how many people are actually getting that. So, and, and like and about- like the the wedding ring one, but just sorry, the wedding ring story, the first time I ever heard that was on my training day at the Magic Kingdom. Sure. Uh, when, when I worked at Jungle Cruise, I had never heard that as a guest leading up to that. And even when they told it during our uh 
That, that was the one attraction where they took all of the new cast members that were going to start working there. We did a whole behind the scenes tour. They talked about, you know, the chess pieces. They tried to just, just give you the whole mythology of the Haunted Mansion. And part of it was the wedding ring at the end. And again, I never had heard that going into it. And, you know, for all the years of writing that from a kid on up to, to that point, 20, you know, 20 years, never knew that story. Never knew if that was official. Never. I still don't know today if it's still just something by somebody saw that on the ground, made it up and, and you know, tried to connect it to the bride that's in the attic now. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's storytelling is. <laughs> yeah. It, Does it's it matter not like, like I got in that dur- what the guys, if the janitor makes a joke and it's funny, yeah. it's still funny, right? <laughs> it comes across as, uh, you know, the, the uh, Disney bus driver came up with that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that in the world. There is. there is a line of dialogue on the narration that says the ghosts are beginning to materialize. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But you could also make the counter argument that what are we actually looking at with the Hatbox ghost? Like, is this a ghost kind of approaching materializing? Like, is it is this mm-hmm. a guy or is this something that's kind of messing with us? You know I, I mean? think it's- even the footsteps in the endless hallway seem to be somewhat materializing like you're you're right. seeing, he, he right. suffers from premature materialization and it's it's not it's an actual medical condition and well, i don't think no it's cool that we're it. making fun of it there are no pills <laughs> he has no stomach with you which know, to swallow it, the pills even if they have he them. has no head forget the stomach do you know how hard it is to give an injection <laughs> to a spirit it's extremely difficult they are very very uh wispy yeah, we definitely did not <laughs> we, did, we didn't have this conversation when the Escher staircase them is very easy. <laughs> when the Escher staircase scene went in, no, we did not cool. have this conversation at all. Yeah, so and that's shortly before what we're going to see here with the Hatbox Ghost. So this was the one thing that Disneyland had. Well, I mean, I guess the the makeover, the seasonal makeover, is another major thing. But for the traditional Haunted Mansion, this was the one Palatable thing that food. the Disneyland version had on Disney World, and I. I mean, I always, I already thought that the Disney World version was superior. I think this oh, just yeah. further, further cements it. So I'm glad that it's coming. The Hatbox Ghost is a pretty cool figure. I think the mystique of how the parlor trick was done back in the day was what made it famous. Whereas now, I assume it's just an OLED screen that they can make one look black and one reappear. And it's not yeah. really a clever trick. But it still is – it's an impressive figure. It's probably the – it will probably become the most impressive AA in the mansion because there aren't oh, a lot for of sure. super complex ones in the mansion. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, like a tombstone with a sewing machine motor behind it is like the second most <laughs> impressive AA there. So, and I'm not knocking it. I, to me, one of the coolest things about the original attractions is they they made them so compelling without a shitload of technology. Right. I just, I mean, it's. I think this is not nearly as bad as when screens came into vogue, and that was all we were seeing. But still, it's like you know, sometimes it's just okay the way it is. Yeah, it'll be no, the coolest I, one in there until somebody steals it. That's true. <laughs> Actually, no, we'll get as them I, on the show if it happens. <laughs> as I joked on Park Cheese, this was actually the original Buzzy figure that they repurposed. Imagineering did have it all along, but they stripped it down to its bones, and that was revealing the Hatbox Ghost. So, Could comes be. full circle. Yes, prove us the, wrong. The other minor news is that uh, CEO Bob Iger is consulting with previous CEO candidates Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs, who are no longer with the company. That in itself is interesting. That's they, like calling your ex-wife and being like, hey, how about we, you let me hit it one more time? <laughs> the rundown Probably here. Not an easy call. 
So Tom Staggs was COO or CFO, one of the two, if not both. He was also the head of Parks and Resorts for a stretch when some stuff was announced. He and Jay Rizzullo were kind of in the running to replace Bob Iger on, I think, retirement run number three. I think we're on, what, eight or nine for his victory lap. But it was sabotaged by somebody that they brought over from Marvel named Ike Perlmutter because Ike Perlmutter wanted to fire Kevin Feige. And uh, Bob Iger said no. So the temper tantrum of millionaires was that he was going to spearhead the uh, or he was going to take down rather the, uh, the Tom Staggs election as CEO. So Tom Staggs left, did his own thing. And when uh, COVID hit and Bob Iger wanted to appoint his successor instead of uh, naming Kevin Mayer, he named Bob Chapek and Kevin Mayer went to manage uh, Tinder, I believe, for a minute. Uh, Tinder? No, not Tinder. <laughs> one of one of the other social media platforms. No, I don't, I don't think it was a dating app. Now that I say that, um, what's is that the, what you what's think? Short is? videos. Uh, he he did something for a very short TikTok. That's what he did. He did something for a very short period of time, and ultimately formed uh, Candle Media with Tom Staggs. And when they when the Disney board was trying to get. Bob Iger back, or prior to them trying to get Bob Iger back, they apparently reached out to both Kevin Mayer and Tom Stagg saying, hey, either of you want the Disney job? And they concluded that the only way to make that happen was for Disney to acquire Candle Media, which would have required Bob Chapek's approval, and he probably would have smelled something fishy going on there. So uh, this may be a indication that a acquisition of Candle Media is in the works, and that Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs are the leading candidates to be Bob Iger's successor. I can't speak. Ben, uh, you can use that on your list of Tim can't speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs may be Bob Iger's successor in roughly 12 years when Bob Iger finally steps down or gets hit by a bus. So, did, did I'm, just glad he's, I'm glad he's consulting with somebody who's not afraid to take out your favorite uh, classic theme park attractions and replace them with meet and greets. So, uh, this is great. This is great. Let's see. Tom Staggs did pull the making birthday cards for Briar Rose <laughs> and watching Cinderella change in front of guests, which I would have been a fan of that. But uh, he pulled that in favor of Seven Dwarves Mind Train. But he also is a big proponent or was a big proponent at the time of the digitized faces on the animatronics. So yep. I don't know what we're going to get there. I think the reality of all this is until any of these people are in charge, we are not going to know what it means because for a minute, at least Bob Chapek was a bit of a wild card. And you could argue that he was in charge of the parks during the biggest building boom since they built another theme park. Um, Cause they had built a lot under his watch as the head of parks and resorts and whether that was facilitated by him or corporate overlords that were above him remains to be seen. But anyway, he might as well talk to Eisner while he's at it too. Let's just go all the way back. Let's let's sure, get all the ex CEOs in and uh, get Madame Leota to call it Frank Wells. And somebody's got a hair dryer on <laughs> Walt's head right now. <laughs> What's the uh, line from Goodwill Hunting? They need some serious smelling salts and a heater. Yep, yep. Uh, well, the thing on this, I don't know. It's re- some of the least inspiring time uh, in my opinion, uh, in Disney uh, in a while. And it's like the same people regurgitating the same stuff. Uh, I think these I two are there. definitely, these two are definitely <laughs> better than what we had with Chapek, but 
God, I don't know. I just, the, the, this company, especially, there's so many things that just seem to be dragging at the moment. The parks, uh, there's not a whole lot, insp- you know, there's nothing coming down the pipeline. <laughs> so there's nothing inspiring going on there. The the film divig- division's lacking right now. The, the TV stuff is like, la- there just needs to be some new blood that comes in at some point that looks at this entire company from a, a slightly different angle. That was part of Chapek. We like, you know, when you're rehiring people from within over and over and over again, uh, you're not bringing any new blood to look at any of this at a different way. So you just get stuck in your ways. And right. this company definitely is stuck in their ways right now. And, and that's not good. The I'm going to, I'm going to advertise something for inside the magic back when <laughs> they were, they're trying to push Tom Staggs as having a personality. They, <laughs> they, they, it really was a problem. Uh, yeah. The, the comment was, I, I, I don't know if it was like a New York Times comment, but it was oddly waifish man of anemic personality. And that's a it's a rough, rough assessment of somebody. But at the 2011 D23 Expo, he recorded a bit for the Parks and Resorts presentation that was an hour and a half with no announcements. And they decided to, uh, for good measure, redo that last year. But they the bit itself is actually pretty funny. It was about a three-minute clip and the footage of it is on YouTube under the Inside the Magic account. Ricky posted it, not the current owners of it. Good. But if you just do a YouTube search for Tom Stagg's D23 Expo, it's pretty funny. At least, you know, funny for what can be presented in that room and, you know, PG rated. But it really was an attempt to show that this man actually has some semblance of a personality. So <laughs> anyway, let's move off of that and onto listener questions because that is uh, the idea behind the show and to get some... Uh, Imagineering topics. So this one comes to us from Tyler Dancy. It is uh, individual lightning lane question incentive to build new e-tickets. Guys, uh, with the looming launches of the Guardians coaster, we're dating ourselves here. Wow, this is an old one. (laughs) (laughs) And Tron in the Magic Kingdom. These new e-tickets will 100% be paid lightning lane, right? So the question is how long it will be hypothetically before the rides pay for themselves. Using simpleton math, say the Guardians... Uh, costs $15 per guest, and capacity allows an average of 12,000 guests per day to purchase access. That would result in approximately $65 million per year in revenue. So after four or five years, the initial cost of the attraction would be recouped, uh, and Disney is still able to depreciate the cost over 20 years. After four or five years, the attraction pays for itself, and they could potentially switch to lightning, uh, standard Lightning Lane. Um, long and short of it, is this an incentive for Disney to continue developing expensive e-tickets at a faster rate? So... Yeah, they're all over that. (laughs) I I like the concept of it. We We, talked about that a little bit before. We did about Rise, right? With maintenance. Yeah, just at least taking some of that money. Again, I'd rather them maintain what's there at the the moment using some of that money because so many things are not going well uh, before they necessarily get to building the next thing. But uh, I would hope this uh, has some truth behind it. But at the same time, his numbers I know- aren't off. His numbers are, are relatively close to work to reality, and I can kind of break that down. So yeah, go just, ahead. just just assume the sixty five million is is not far off. I think that ride probably does eighteen hundred an hour or so, and a twelve hour day at Epcot means you're getting twenty one thousand six hundred guests on it. We don't know definitively how many individual lightning lanes they sell re- relative to the virtual queue standby, but we do know that historically fast pass has been roughly two-thirds to 70%. So we can kind of use that rough math that you're getting a, somewhere between 
12,000 and 14,500 individual lightning lanes per day. So his number of 65 million is probably the low end. Uh, the high end is probably 80 million per year that you're getting from just individual lightning lane sales on an attraction like that, which is certainly not insignificant. And we know that that attraction was very expensive. It was uh, reportedly cost $450 million. But Mm -hmm. to recoup something like that that quickly uh, and that directly has never been done by Disney until you go back to the days of the A through E tickets, uh, the actual ticket books. And even that, I'm sure, wasn't as direct a, a line as something like this. But... We haven't seen any ev- any evidence of them using this as a means of building attractions quicker. I think this is just no. this is a Bob Chapek baby, and I suspect that it's here to stay because they're so unlikely to kill a revenue well, stream. It, as you say, the, once it goes from paying itself off, then does it turn to paying off the yearly operation of the attraction? And right. you know, a ride like uh, that's the other thing too. These rides cost money to operate. Yeah, so in a, in a ride like Guardians is like, you know, that what, there's six songs on there? There's a licensing fee for those songs, more than likely, yeah. yearly or bi-yearly or every two years, every five years or something, but there's going to be a cost behind that. That's not free, and I do enough in the industry to know that music is insanely expensive to license, and I also know they love to brag about how much this new revenue stream is bringing to the uh, investors. So yeah, there's, there's no way they ever kill a revenue stream like that. No, I mean, that, that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> Iger has pointedly said that parks cost too much and he's not doing anything to adjust the, the cost of the parks. Yeah. They'll discount things, but they're not going to cut back on something like this unless yeah. they truly see it affecting their bottom line where people aren't doing it and they're not going. There's a very famous story in Florida. And I, I'd be honest, I don't know if it's true, but it back when they built the turnpike, the legend is that that was supposed to be a toll road for four years. And then it was supposed to have paid itself off and just the normal, uh, you know, municipal and state revenue would, would take care of the maintenance. And anyone yeah. who's been to Florida knows that's still a toll roll. And it always will be a toll roll. Yeah. What if we just road. don't do that second part? That's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, <laughs> you know, once you've taken something from somebody, uh, it's very hard for them to force you to give it back. And I just, I, you know, I think the question is really good because what it, I guess the positive spin on this is it's a way for people who are pro parks to argue in favor of getting projects greenlit. But the fact that that's even necessary to the extent that no one's saying the ride's not a good investment all on its own, you have to have like the extra, like, uh, you know, leverage there. It just shows that this this company is not motivated to make the parks better with a inherent belief that making the parks better will automatically result in the business being okay. They're just well, it, the, the motives here are not very pure. I just yeah, tried it, to stifle a very loud noise because the Red Sox just walked off of the Grand Slam. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> so they're in fourth you place in the East now. No, they're no, they're still in last place. Okay. <laughs> so to, this sounds logical. It sounds like it makes sense, but it's it's kind of crazy Wh- that they haven't which put goes this against into- what they've been doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at what Universal is doing down the road and how much money they've invested in attractions without having a a trigger like this for for each individual ride to bring back instant revenue specifically to that ride. They do have yeah. their Express Pass. It is a lot more expensive than Disney's Pass, but uh, than uh, Genie <laughs> Plus. Increasingly getting closer if you want to accomplish everything with it. When you- oh yeah. When you factor in the daily price plus individual lightning lanes, you're getting a lot closer yeah. to 
Anyway, well, sorry. And and but Universal's doing the investments based on just they they realize that if they build new infrastructure, new attractions, new rides that are really cool, people come. Like they're making a ton yeah. of money just off admission. Disney if they would do the same thing and use the lightning lane, like, yeah, it, it seems like they would be able to pay off these rides so fast. It's, it's kind of like the, what the, the, everybody always talks about the butterbeer paying off hogs, uh, uh, hogs yeah. mead in what five yeah. years, three years or whatever. No, it's, it was, it was like months according to Jim Hill. And yeah. I actually had a back and forth with him saying that math doesn't work, Jim. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but he, it was, I, it, it was, I do believe it was very fast because it led yeah. to the expansion quickly into the other part. Did. Yeah, his source and, is also like bulletproof. I think it was just a tongue-in-cheek comment. That's all. Yeah, but uh, but then even look what Disney does. Instead of making something awesome, they phoned it in with like Lafru's brew. You know, <laughs> it's just like trying to parrot success without understanding why it was successful. I think in well, that case, it was like we don't have anything. Let's yeah. let's make something up. And oh yeah, we forgot the gray stuff as a menu item. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, going, yeah. you know, going back to that kind of comparison, like just like what an individual lightning lane costs compared to a butterbeer. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's 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 a multiple uh, on there and it, it can pay off that ride directly. Like, you know, specifically how many lightning lanes each day that ride is bringing in and you can do the math like it all adds up. And it, you would think having that uh, lever to pull would would get them to go, hey, let's put more of these major attractions in that we can justify this extra cost on uh, in the parks. And that just has not happened. And we've had years with this. Uh, what, how, how long has Lightning Lane been an individual? Came Two in in 2021. Actually, we say this, though. There was a change to it. Let's This kind of contradicts what we've been saying. They did have two per park, and they cut it yeah. down to one per park. Now, yeah. with the exception of Magic Kingdom, since Tron has opened, Magic Kingdom still has Mine Train and Tron on the individual lightning lane path, but they did previously have two per, uh, for each of the other parks and they've cut that back. So I don't know. We'll know in January what the evolution of this is because every three years we have to change it and make sure that guests don't understand what's going on. But (laughs) my expectation is that we're going to revert back to something close to traditional fast pass, uh, sorry, to fast pass plus rather and it'll be a singular price point, or they'll do it like revert back to Fast Pass Plus, and there'll be forty-seven different price points because that's what we have to do as well. I think uh, we, we and everyone at it. just loves that. Yeah, we're like so. <laughs> it's going to make me mad, <laughs> Ben. Ben, you uh, you don't have Rangers season tickets, but you go to enough Rangers games to know there's probably like five or six different tier levels for the tickets, depending on oh, who yeah. your opponent is and maybe the day of the week. Yeah. So the Red Sox have six, uh, six different levels for pricing. So this Thursday night walk-off versus Kansas City surprisingly wasn't the bottom tier. It should be. But I think it's it's the summer versus April or September. But for for tickets that are like good seats, you could have a range of like $60 to $160 depending on the opponent. Disney has a range uh, of tickets, but it's like 20 different price points and there's a dollar difference between between each of them <laughs> that they yep. they feel that they've dialed in the days that drastically that a one dollar swing per day is that extreme and it seems so freaking excessive and this goes into everything that they're doing and the fact that they modeled this and can have MBAs planning out all right should this day be 115 dollars a day or 114 dollars a day like is that really where they should be wasting their mind and uh, their effort. But no, 
this is a point that I believe Len made. We can't get accurate wait times, but we've refined down to the dollar what each day should cost in yep. this park. I think there's no motivation if there's no profit motivation. Yeah, and, and they've they've done it so much that I mean I can speak from experience with I was there the week that they changed the dynamic pricing on the yeah. Genie Plus, and it's funny what twenty you know looking at your app and w- what twenty six and twenty three does mentally to you. Yeah. <laughs> like like I'll do twenty three, but no way I'm going to do twenty six. You know, <laughs> you wake up the next day, it's it's it, it's dollars, and it's yeah. so. It's so small that it's really stupid on their part. I honestly, I think just put it at a price point and, and, and roll with it. But you're, they do that across the board with so many different things that uh, it's mental fatigue and mental gymnastics that people are going through every day, Completely. and it's it's just really wearing on people. We don't know the full scope of how they're going to do it, but s- speculation on my part, and presumably you guys would agree, is that it's going to be no. similar enough to FastPass Plus. But it will be dynamic pricing per day and per park. Yeah. Yep. Which is, it's all right. You want to just confuse people even more? Fine. But yep. anyway, let's move on to the I, next one. I, I can't <laughs> wait for Epic Universe to open. <laughs> I just it's, hope it fucking crushes them. The I, uh, I, I, I will yeah. say though, there was uh, there there is reports that they're looking at doing a very similar deal with their Express Pass uh, at those parks, which I think is the biggest mistake they could possibly make. What it's do you mean? Going to an uh, uh, the, there's been multiple reports. Uh, I know Alicia Sella uh, was one of them saying that their Express Pass is going to function much more like Genie Plus by the time Epic Universe opens. I bet uh, they don't spend $3 billion getting there and no, don't they, have they, nine iterations of it. I bet they, they make won't. a decision. And Yeah, but if it's anywhere near booking windows and all that crap – that that if it's if it has any of the elements that we all hate at uh, with Disney's Genie Plus, that's a major fail on them. That's the, that's the beauty of their Express Pass is they go buy it and go ride the stuff whenever you want. If you I want could the see one- them making that exclusive to uh, uh, to the new park though, where when they've introduced new hot- new hotels as an example, uh-huh. they ha- they haven't changed the rules for Hard Rock Port Hard. I can't speak. Hard Rock, Portofino, Hard Rock, and Royal Pacific, where those still get your free Express Pass. So I could see it being new rules for Epic Universe. Yeah, Who but knows? if it's all within one app, I could see it going across the board. That's you're fair. not you're not going to run an Epic Universe app and then a separate app for the other parks that's going to function differently with the Express Pass. But I do know she reported that that there is planning in their system to make this a deal to where you're going to have to book your window, you know, you buy the express pass and then you're on your phone all day booking windows for the different attractions, as opposed to their two setups now where you can have the unlimited express where you just get in the line, do it as many as you want, or the one time per attraction right. express where that's, that one's great. You know, you, you, there is no window, there's no nothing. And you know, you get to ride everything, uh, as long as you fulfill your side and get to everything uh, that you want to ride, but it's, it's there and, you, and there's no worry about the return times and all that crap missing your window uh, express pass is running out. If they go to a system that's a lot like genie plus and the stuff that we've been bitching about for years, uh, I think it's a mistake and hopefully they're listening a little better and, and can at least adjust theirs to a way that functions better than uh, what Disney's currently running. Well, at least they could go down the street and see how not to do yeah, it. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Like they, this could be a situation where they've got the functionality built in and they decide whether or not to turn it on or off. I hope they so. have they have the Tapu Tapu at the Volcano Bay, mm-hmm. which is similar enough in concept, but virtual queueish more than anything. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's probably fair. But I do think that 
getting to that point is probably a function of what is Disney going to do? Does it work? That sort of thing. And I can guarantee that Universal isn't spending anywhere near as much money as Disney has dicking around between FastPass Plus, Genie Plus, and going back to FastPass Plus. Yep. They've spent so much damn money doing all of that, which could have effectively and, and built burned a, a lot of gate, goodwill in the process. Gate, I just said yep. third gate. How many gates does Disney have? Fifth gate. <laughs> Epcot's opening soon. They're <laughs> yeah, building it now. <laughs> the, the one thing that will be interesting that they also reported was, and I do think this is definitely going to happen because they do that with all their new attractions at Universal, is Epic Universe opening completely without Express Pass. Uh, so it's essentially going back to the old school theme parks where just get there, get in line and ride it. There is no, there's no option to cut the lines uh, for anything that'll be there on, on opening day. And probably for universal usually keeps that for about a year. Uh, yeah, it'll all be there. It just won't turn it on for it, yeah, a exactly. solid year. So, you know, during Good. that first year with massive crowds, it's going to be just get in line, the rope drop, getting do your favorite thing. And then not having that secondary line backing up the standby line the whole time. So, uh, that'll be interesting because nobody's really done that in a long time on that large of a scale. So what if that really works? <laughs> so I, you, I know they're going to turn it on at some point because of the revenue that comes with turning it on. Sure, but what if it, what if everybody just loves that park so much more than any of the other parks? Because things just, you know, you can be spontaneous in that park again, just go ride what you want to ride and not worry about things being backed up and not having to pay a premium to, uh, to experience everything. I'm going to jump around on the listener questions because what you just said kind of fuels additional discussion on this, that if that park opens without Express Pass, as is rumored, that you are going to see an increase in disability pass usage at that park. But Universal has also put it out there that they're going to have an advanced booking component of that. Disney has it, but you can get it day of, but Universal is likely going to require it with a potential doctor's note as well. They're also going to that third-party system that's used in Europe to where okay. it's it's not them that's going to be judging the pass or not. You go to this other group. It comes with a doctor's note. From what I understand, you don't God, have why to- did we not start that company? How, do, how are we that stupid <laughs> that we didn't come up with that idea? <laughs> I, know, I know Disneyland Paris is done this way. Paris requires this. Uh, but it's a third party that does it. It's again, not disclosing your disability or the, it just basically is a doctor saying that uh, this person needs it. So it is, it's extra steps that people have to take that would eventually deter, uh, you know, the misuse of it. Deter. 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 You're talking about France. I couldn't finish my thought. I couldn't finish my thought because I knew you were shit on me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said it and I was like, damn it. Uh, I'll talk, but talk yeah, properly that, next time. That's what, that's what it is. You got to get the pass. I believe you have to do it that you have to renew it pretty often as well. And then I once I saw you, 60 days, maybe something like days. that. And then once you get that approval, then you just you still like show ha- the document to the Gestapo. Yep. Yeah. You, when you come in, <laughs> you wear a, you wear a flare. Plus on your you're chest. having a good day at the park. You <laughs> need to see the papers. <laughs> but you, yeah, at that point you do then have to go to universal show that you've been approved yeah. for it. And that's when they do the, the, booking of the past and yeah there is the talk of it going digital like disney's and getting away right. from the paper and pencil uh version of it so uh it good bad i don't know we'll see but you are right if there's no express that will be abused and yeah. it looks like they're I mean, already is getting ahead abused. of it yeah i was gonna yeah. say let's this is like the war on drugs like well it's yeah. illegal. Yeah. we won't do it 
with uh, with Josh's comment, I'm reminded of a quote from my from my cousin who told me, "I don't think I'm going to get a good letter of recommendation from my previous employer because I." Uh, misspelled the word Gestapo on my letter of resignation. <laughs> is that Keegan McCann? <laughs> no, it is not. That's that's okay. my nephew. This is, uh, this is my cousin. Anyway, okay. so this kind of leads into a couple of questions from Ben West, uh, one of which we may have read before. But uh, hey, guys, Ben from Dallas here. No, not that one. Longtime listener, first time emailer, I think. Just wanted to follow up on Tim's DAS comments to share our experience. My wife has MS and we've been using DAS since 2019. She recently took a girl's trip over Veterans Day weekend with her mother and with her mom and our daughter, and it was her first time using the new video chat service. Experience wasn't quite as bad as yours, but still, I'm going to skim down here. Took six hours and 15 minutes start to finish. Oh, God. Uh, th- that evening when I was looking at the pre-reserved attractions on my Disney experience, I noticed that they had omitted her mom from the list. So the me- reservations were just for my wife and daughter. Awesome. Tried to go back to the general chat. Couldn't assist. So another four plus hours and she had a flight. To I'm sorry. This is <laughs> this is not OK. Yeah. So this is going in through now. The, the I can't comment believe I'm, ever, this, I'm saying this. We should do what the French are doing. <laughs> That's the better system. <laughs> Ten hours. I'm sorry. Well, That's he did surrender okay. here, so that is kind of on brand. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, once all was said and done, she did say that using uh, the disability pass to get return times a day of was really game-changing and an incredibly convenient system. So that was his first email, and then he followed up, uh, let's see, how many, uh, about seven months later, saying... He was still uh, on hold. <laughs> yeah, he was still on hold, because this is how quickly or how frequently we read these things. Um, said greetings again to the best podcast that appears in my feed on an irregular semi-monthly basis. <laughs> nice. He said, uh, as for uh, DAS, after traveling to Walt Disney World four times in f- five months last year, uh, we're headed to Disneyland and San Diego. Is okay, so Disneyland, our third trip to Disneyland Resort, but the first time since my wife's onset diagnosis. So also our first time using DAS there. The new pre-registration process starts the same way it does for Disney World by using text-based chat to answer. But once you get a person on there, it's the live person. And Ben, I don't know if you witnessed this at all, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. booking the advanced bookings. And in this case, it was about 35 minutes all in. So yeah. all right, that's, that, now, I, now we're I, cooking. I, the last two times we had to do it, once with my daughter, once with my father, who has stage four colon cancer, yeah. uh, it was, we, you know, by the time of dialing in, getting a person on camera, and then having the attractions booked 40 minutes, 30, 30, yeah, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Like the, the last two times have been incredibly fast uh, compared to when it first started, which sure. I think it's understandable that it's a new system at that point. It, they, they definitely had their issues. I know your story, Tim, the first time using it, uh, it was, a, was nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare, but I think second the next time was time, substantially better. Yeah, substantially better. And I think this next time you use it, you're going to be shocked. Be like, we're done. Um, yep. So. I think they have improved that uh, dramatically. I th- J- ben gets into a comments though about, and this this blows my mind. If there's an error made during the bookings of the passes that are done before your visit, getting those changed yeah. or adjusted is an absolute nightmare to the point that you don't even do it. You just say screw yeah. it, we won't use I those. Think I think I witnessed that as well. That blows my mind that that nobody in the parks can help with that uh, at all. It's a totally, se- it's a totally separate be. system because these are the advanced ones, and it's an entirely separate window of of booking. And that was also unclear at the outset. But now, yeah. if you want to know, 
like how these scheduling things work. You've got your advanced bookings, which is a, a smaller group of attractions that are available for it. You have your day of disability pass. You have your individual lightning lane, which is an option, and your regular Genie Plus that are four independent groups of line bypassing mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So trying to navigate all that, you wonder why people actually hire travel consultants for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. On Ben's email, totally unrelated to disability uh, access systems service, whatever whatever DAS stands for, um, he talked about uh, a discussion we had about the Eisner-Wells symbiotic relationship. And we talked about the book Disney War, which I believe we've all read. Yep. And he wanted to recommend another book that I actually hadn't even heard of that was written by Eisner himself called Working Together, Why Great Partnerships Succeed, and his, his commentary here. Published in 2010, Eisner looks at 10 great, quote, partnerships and what makes them work. In hindsight, not all the partnerships were a great choice. I'm looking at you, chapter on Bill and Melinda Gates. Uh, the, big dra- <laughs> the big draw for Disney fans is the chapter on Eisner and Wells. He does a pretty good job of introspection here, and it makes for a fascinating chapter. So uh, appreciate the recommendation there, Ben. But Yeah, I'm going to check I'll check that out and and just before you get on there, sorry, I want to absolutely cut you off. Uh, if you don't follow Michael Eisner on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling he's it, a good follow, days, yeah. he's a good follow. He's actually <laughs> yeah, he a really good follow. Uh, his family owns a soccer team in England, uh, Portsmouth. So you'll get a lot of soccer talk uh, on there. Uh, but he, he, he he's a really interesting follow. I actually really liked Eisner. I th- I've said it before on the show. I, I ran – he – came to Muppets twice while I was there. It was neat seeing him. It was, it, it, he was larger than life. Uh, you know, went off the rails at the end. Uh, but most CEOs, that's why they get ran out of a company is they usually go off the rails. So he's not, uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it, he, he's not unusual in that aspect at all, but for, for a long time, I think he did a really good job. And, you know, I think he's, he, he's found his space, uh, <laughs> post Disney and it's producing stuff and it's, uh, Writing books like this, which I want to check out. It's running soccer teams, but yeah, he's a he's a fun he's follow on, on Twitter. Board of directors yeah, for is. tops for tops for a while, yep. wasn't he? Uh, excuse uh, me, uh, on what? What's the name of that platform? Uh, X, tops X. Sorry, yes. X Pass. No, was, yes, uh, <laughs> yes X Pass. Look that up. That's available. Uh, we should we should redirect it. I think that's what we're going to do, right? That's a spendy yep. one. <laughs> uh, that was, I believe, before they were sold, which I think they're now with uh, Fanatics. Right? Fanatics, Fanatics owns everything. Yeah, he he had Tops. He he ran Tops and owned it for a while. Yeah, I heard Fanatics is actually in the market of buying Disney as well. They're uh, they're buying everything. The, There's a chance. <laughs> so I want to be clear here that. When they introduced the video conference uh, advanced DAS bookings, Ben and I, who have both used this in the past, were basically saying this wasn't anything we asked for. It's great that they're doing it, and I'm glad that they've kind of refined it. But this also wasn't anything that I believe is even really necessary, at least the advanced booking component of it. And yes, when you introduce something and then take it away, that becomes a problem. But I don't know that they really need to give guests that have a disability pass those two additional advanced bookings to be honest yeah, with you no, i no. think that's i think that's a fair assessment the other thing that they've done very well is the introduction of the blue tents around yeah around the parks that helps you from having to go back to the front of the park for guest services and as the mayor of guest services i very much appreciate having auxiliary <laughs> uh, auxiliary places to go so all of that i think is a good thing and i'm glad that the disneyland setup is a little bit more streamlined and just over the over the two years there was a bit of a learning curve for disney world and just the entire, yeah. entirety of this in general so yeah i think we used maybe 50 percent of the advanced ones 
That's probably about right. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, I've said I said it on here. We we have being able to do it in the app when you're in the park uh, is enough of a. It's a significant advantage. Change, yeah, that was just fantastic. And then we we buy Genie Plus every day, so we're not just yep. sitting there using that. So we 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 buy into the systems to help get around it as we need. Uh, the advanced ones are great. If they went away, the, I wouldn't be a problem at all. But uh, you know, it, it them adding that system, and then it, like like we said, if Universal, it does sound like they're going to go to that app based system. Uh, that'll be a huge plus in those parks because the running around with the paper and pencil, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, when I when I went to Universal last fall, I believe I only had to use it for Hagrid's the way that it worked out. But I understand exactly what you're saying that like you're reverting back to a system that requires backtracking. And with yeah. many of these abilities being mobility based. Absolutely. That is that's not particularly intelligent. So no. anyway, let's move off of uh, disability. And this one is a question about exposed steel supports. <laughs> uh, I have a broad question after hearing Tim's opinion about exposed steel coaster supports in episode 48. Hope this doesn't come off as snarky. I think this is a legitimate debate for theme park fans. I've learned How's that it? every time someone says something like that, what comes next is definitely <laughs> going to be snarky. Tim is a it. dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How should theme park designs design coasters to retain theming? Disney put Guardians in a big enclosed building and got criticized. Slinky Dog is out in the open. That got criticized. Disney fans, Tim included, criticized Universal for having coasters infrastructure for Hulk and Velocicoaster out in the open. So what's the acceptable compromise here? My personal take would be seeing coasters coasters supports uh, that don't affect my theme park experience and expecting them to always be hidden unnecessarily limits what experiences can be offered to guests. But for Disney Universal, I expect a lot more theming and landscaping around those outdoor coasters supports than my local Six Flags. Generally curious to hear what conversations this starts amongst the three of you. So what do you guys think? You know that I have opinions on it, but why don't you guys start? So I don't have the objection to visible steel supports that most people don't, or that some people do, because I think we have to draw a line in the sand. And that line is, are the Disney parks going to have thrill rides? And the answer to that is an overwhelming yes. That's the direction they, they decided to, now, to go. That's fair. And if they, if they now say we're not going to do steel supports, I think unless, you know, not every attraction can be a mountain. So, uh, you know, I think, we have some exquisite examples of how you do a coaster without visible steel supports and Thunder Mountain, um, you know, Space Mountain less so, but still it works thematically, certainly Expedition Everest, you know. So when I look at Slicky Dog Dash, I think the question should be not, isn't necessarily, are there visible steel supports or is this thing themed appropriately? And that roller coaster is perfectly themed for the land that it's in. You know, unlike the one they threw into a building over at Epcot. So to me, I, I think mean, that's the thing. What's worse, exposed steel or visible intrusion of gigantic show building? Right. I mean, if, I think the real question is not steel support or not. It's how much unthemed sightline intrusion are we willing yeah. to yeah. tolerate? And yeah. the answer to that has been we're willing to tolerate an incredible amount of it if it results in a, uh, more thrilling attraction. So I, I think Universal came at it a little bit different way. I, I know Velocicoaster obviously is all <laughs> all beams and everything, but right next yep. to it is Hagrid's. And while it's you can see, yeah, it, 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 and while you're on the ride, you can see the supports, but they 
when you're when you're walking through the area, you can see the yeah. cars whip by, you can hear the sounds, but it's hidden behind walls. It's hitting behind trees to where mm-hmm. Those it's also guests, only four years old and doesn't have the full growth that it will ultimately yeah. have. Right. Yeah, but Sleeping even from the, the same thing, if you think about it. <clears throat> yeah, it does. I, even Bush Gardens, like they don't make any attempt to hide the beams, but it's it's a well done park. Like it's a pretty, you know, the aesthetic could be good even with visible steel. It's just, but like if you look at Six Flags, yeah, they'll just put a new roller coaster literally in the parking lot. When you look down, you could see where the lines for the space right. used to be. Like it's, yeah. there's a huge difference there, even with I, lots of visible steel. Mm-hmm. I view it as lightly themed versus heavily themed. Mm-hmm. So something like Velocity. The other thing that they do is if the ride is self-referential and like yeah. acknowledges yeah. itself that it's yeah. a roller coaster, Velocicoaster does this, Slinky Dog does this, California yeah. Scream, right. and when that was the name of it, they all did that where they acknowledged that this is themed as a roller coaster. It's like breaking the fourth wall. It's like, hi, I'm a roller coaster. Here's my beam. But at the same time, (laughs) you want a badass ride. That's how you do it. So that's how you do it. I, I, big Yankees fan over there. (laughs) Exactly. My opposition in Universal, especially in Islands of Adventure, especially was I don't think they did a particularly good job for Hulk. I think the the track itself is disorienting and that fits the Hulk theme. But that to me feels more like a six. I'm going to get shit for this. That to me feels more like a six flags ride than any other ride in that park. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why you would get shit for that. I think that's because I, I've gotten shit for that in the past because people, I mean, six like, flags yeah. has good rides. Though. I mean, that's the thing is it, it doesn't actually, I don't think Hulk is a good ride. The over the ear, the over point, the shoulder I, a, restraint fan, sucks, but, but but aside from that, like I do think when that I remember the first time I wrote it, you know, I was obviously way way younger, but it was new. But I mean that launch, like that was something I had never experienced before. So it, mm-hmm. it's cool, but like yeah, I mean that is a Six Flags style ride for sure. I think when you go to Velocicoaster, this goes to it is it is themed as a ride in a fake theme park within a theme park that is a roller coaster through a Velociraptor enclosure so it's very clear it's very 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 meta (laughs) i think i actually said that correctly though you did and when we talked about this on the show i said it's a little weird but at the same time i kind of i kind of like it and it excuses it well the ride itself is great that that's my favorite part about it is chris pratt looking at the camera going you built a roller coaster through a (laughs) velociraptor enclosure like i love love that that is hilarious the criticism that I had on something like Slinky Dog is I think it's just a poor use of space that they should have layered other attractions on or around it. Yeah. Like yeah. they did it retroactively over at California Screaming. And like, inc- I'm going to, I know that it's Incredicoaster now, which has kind of taken a step away from that. It's still on like a, a boardwalk pier type environment, but California Screaming was intended to be like a Coney Island type roller coaster. But they also did in time have attractions interspersed with the layout of it. The the Malibuomer originally, and then ultimately Toy Story Mania. And is Mm -hmm. the carousel on the same footprint or just adjacent to it at this point? The um, Uh, An Emotional Whirlwind is now on the Malibuomer footprint, right? That's in the Malibuomer. And I would think, I mean, if you count the emotional whirlwind as part of the footprint, then you have to count the carousel. It's, it's, yeah, in, suppose, it's within yeah. that. Yeah. So those are the things where like, all right, uh, California scream is like a mile of track. It's a massive, massive roller coaster, but they're not wasting as much space in it 
as they were for Slinky Dog, where they probably could have designed that track in a way to get a flat ride, which is a upcoming well, topic that we've got here. But I, I still would love to see the original approved version of that ride before yeah. budget cuts, because I well, the trenches I and whatnot. I can't ride that ride. I can't ride the second half of that ride without looking at all that area, knowing that there was theming there. There was something yeah. planned for that area uh, because, you know, at the load area, you have that wall where it's the hand drawn uh, of Andy drawing what he wanted Slinky Dog to be. And you have you have Wheezy at the end. You have the blocks that are in the first part of the ride where uh, Rex and Jesse are hanging from it. Like that was all drawn there. And if you look at the second half of the ride, there is stuff drawn there to that, that you're supposed to be going around. There was going to be a scene there. And now it's just a concrete area with bushes growing up around it. So I, I think right now it looks like a bad layout, but I think that was all because of budget cuts. Cause originally it had to have something planned for that space. And the original one didn't have flat rides integrated with it either, but I think it was still, no. I think there was a show scene or two, though, that were missing. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. The the trenches looked intriguing and kind of gave it where... So, like, Seven Seven Dwarves Mine Train, uh, not technically a mountain, I guess, but that is pretty well-themed throughout and has a show scene built into it. If it had something like that, great. Uh, Personally, I like Slinky Dog better than Seven Dwarves Mine Train, and Seven Dwarves Mine Train is substantially better themed. But, again, that's just personal preference on... I, I like the thrill of Slinky Dog. I also think that I was expecting Slinky Dog to be at like Barnstormer okay. level thrill. So that, let me. I'm. I've. I've pulled up a picture of the drawing, and the second half of Slinky Dog Dash. If the drawing was anything like what was actually built, because the first half has Rex on the blocks, yep. it has everything there. The second half of the ride had an alien spaceship with green okay. army men coming out of it. And it also had you were where the picture was taken. You're going to go around what uh, e- Dr. Evil Porkchop. He was okay. going to be there. Both of those have been cut from the ride. The only thing that's there that's in Wheezy's here for the end of it. So there were two scenes that I believe were cut from the ride budget wise. That makes that area back there just seem like a misuse of space now. In general, my preference is themed ride over static steel supports. But I also like, we've had the conversation about say Velocicoaster versus Cosmic Rewind versus Hagrid's. And I think for people that have experienced all three of those attractions, they'll say the best coaster of the three is Velocicoaster. Mm -hmm. And then there's a debate as to what's the best ride of those three. And Velocity, well, it really is best ride of those two Hagrid's and Cosmic Rewind are generally regarded as the better rides. But from just a strict coaster standpoint, Velocicoaster, by most coaster fans' accounts, is the best coaster at either Universal or Disney World. Do you think Disney's a little gun-shy at over-theming a roller coaster these days because of the issues they had with Expedition Everest and, like, the Yeti not working and not being able I, it's That still was a not a problem result of heavy theming. That was a result of... Just horrible poor engineering thinking. and not yeah. using Garner Holt but to like, be animatronic. Access, yeah, access to Holt repair it. <laughs> it. They haven't done. Have they done anything like that since Everest? Though I'm trying to as a think. roller coaster. I mean, you can Cosmic Rewind was four times the cost of. Yeah, of but they just straight up Everest. went. They just straight up went with a a regular building. Yeah, a giant like, ride in a box. Yeah, yeah, and they did that with Tron, and then Slinky Dogs just outdoors with exposed supports. 
I, th- I think, I mean, the reality, I think you're just trying to find a narrative that isn't there because they've built stuff. I, I just think they've, we've, we've heard secondhand that like they've had the Yeti conversation about other things like the shaman at Navi River Journey. But I mean, they've also, after that, they built the Grizzly Mine uh, Mountain in Hong Kong. And I don't think that had it doesn't have like a, a singular AA figure, but then their rapid ride does. That's like the hero figure of that ride. So yeah. they're not they're not averse to doing that, but I think it's just kind of coincidental and they just they just done effed up with the Yeti is really what it comes down to. But goddamn yeah. roadie. They they invented a problem that didn't need to exist in the first place. Right, right. They got so excited about talking about how powerful it was. They didn't and stop is- to ask to wonder, you know, just because we can is Maybe we shouldn't. Thank you. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, this is why we hate Joe Rody actually on the show. Yeah. But, uh, that, that question came to us from John Gregory of the Theme Park Tribune, which sounds fancy. Josh Gad, what do you think of Joe Rody? Well, Josh, I'm going to cut you off right there. Uh, <laughs> all right. This this uh, I think is going to be the last question. <laughs> Comes to us from uh, Raymond Ramirez. Uh, big fan of the show. Fake name. Um, <laughs> Ray Romano. Hi, all. I've been enjoying this show for a few years now. Recently listened to some older episodes. They're all going to be older relative to the time we're reading this. He listened, to the, di- he listened to the Gary episodes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and found it disappointing how some topics and changes were discussed back then have yet to come to fruition. As much yeah. as I've enjoyed the Imagineering conversations, my favorites were the build-out episodes for the four Walt Disney World parks. Do you have plans to do a similar episode format for Disneyland and California Adventure? Uh, we hadn't really talked about it, but I think we should. I think that's a good idea for a future show. We, I guess we kind of did a little bit of like the Disneyland forward stuff, but um, as a true build out as we did for the Florida parks. I think that's a, a really, you think Raymond appreciates topic. how much more effort it takes to record those kinds of shows. <laughs> <laughs> it does require quite a bit of prep, even though it sounds like we're making all that shit up on, as we go along. Exactly. But, uh, he says, my question for the group is regarding flat rides. Disneyland and magic kingdom have such high ride counts because they utilize flat rides very well. Many times when Disney fans play armchair Imagineer within the parks, they recognize the importance of flat rides, but they often get overlooked because they aren't as exciting. I think that's very fair. What I want to, what I want to know is what flat rides do you think Disney has done well? Which ones do you find lacking and why? And how would you incorporate flat rides into the other three Disney World parks that need help spreading out the crowds? So we kind of took this as an assignment. And I believe... In true Marty for, called style, we're not going to answer your ask girl question. No, we're not. Well, I think, but but to that point, though, I think the way that we answer this as an assignment will fuel what rides we think are well done from a flat ride standpoint. So we took it as add a flat ride to each of the four Disney World parks. We're adding it to Magic Kingdom as well. And we need to come up with uh, a spot for it. Why don't we, um, why don't we table... Uh, Raymond's answers till the end as well because he gave some examples of sure. what he would do as well. So who wants to kick us off? And maybe maybe we just start in the Magic Kingdom and we each do our Magic Kingdom one if that uh, if that works. Mine's going to be very quick for the Magic Kingdom, so I'll go first. I'm going to add a it. third Dumbo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are they just going to fight it out? Where are we doing? Are we going to? We if should go higher than it. Go <laughs> go up. <laughs> Let's go the other direction. Okay. It's Australian Dumbo. Okay. Don't they do they go in opposite directions now that you say that? Uh, I'm to think. I don't know. I don't know if they go in opposite directions. Uh, no, I don't think they do. Uh no, if, the two the two dumbos they do. 
if they do go in opposite directions. So, yeah. Josh, you're going to have to find a third direction. Maybe it's maybe Vertically. it's a Ferris wheel. Maybe it's a Ferris <laughs> exactly. wheel. A Dumbo Ferris wheel. It's the orange experience. <laughs> Is that really your idea? Uh, I didn't really have one for for Magic Kingdom because I feel like more so than the other parks, they already have flat rides. That is kind of his, his ass. Ben, did you come up with anything for it? I got one. Okay. Uh, I, I like swing rides. Okay. I like Silly Symphony Swings. Uh, out you know, Jim Guest got going. stranded there for hours on that ride. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh and and I like what Disney could do with theming an attraction like that. Uh, okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a lot of credit to do something kind of cool for Adventureland. And unfortunately, oh, I, okay. I I don't think there's a spot to put this past Pirates. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not doing it to remove anything uh, an actual attraction that people go on. Uh, and believe it or not, people do go on Aladdin's magic carpets uh, for for most of the day at least. Uh, so I think the only spot that I can really do this is the Treehouse footprint. Yeah. And mine's going to be Tarzan swing. So okay, uh, I, like it. I, I think there's a way with those chains that go down to each seat. You can mimic vines going yeah, down yeah. to that and make a tree, the centerpiece of it and vines coming off the tree and you're swinging around like Tarzan. And if it's, uh, you know, I, th- I think silly symphony swings is a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, this this is a flat ride that's in a lot of parks all over uh, the world, so it's not it's not groundbreaking, it's not new. Which I think you're going to find that with a most of the flat rides that you can come up with. But I think this could work there. Uh, build a build a nice massive tree, vines coming off of it, and you're swinging around like Tarzan. I like it. I so Ben and I were talking about <laughs> not not wanting to remove certain things, and we both concluded, yeah, the treehouse is going for the Magic Kingdom, like that, that's, <laughs> for, for the for the footprint that we were talking about. Like, yeah, we're killing the treehouse. So uh, I didn't go that approach. I actually have Did a somebody swing. just kill the damn speedway for me, please. <laughs> like I don't understand why anything is getting removed from that park while those go karts are still running it's around. Completely fair. Ride. And I mean, so uh, I, I had a, a swing ride elsewhere, and I'll, I'll talk about that as we move around, but. Um, I, I really like the idea of just using the vines and everything like that. That's that's something that you could probably add for relatively short money and mm-hmm. just pull, you know, I don't know how high capacity the swing rides are, but again, a different type of thing other than a traditional spinner mm-hmm. is where we're approaching. I don't think I had a traditional spinner on any of mine, but it's no secret. And this goes to... Josh has the, one for every park. <laughs> this, this goes to... Uh, uh, to raise Stumbo the question of, everywhere. Of, of what type of flat rides do they do well, it is no secret that I love Aquatopia. So my Magic Kingdom attraction is going to be an Aquatopia-style attraction. <laughs> I came up with a handful of different spots for it to go. My first choice would be taking down Stitch and putting it right off the hub. I don't want a character tie-in. I just want some futuristic kinetic energy that's visible from the hub. The problem with doing it there is the people mover because the people mover runs along that side of the building. And if I'm taking that building down, then you got to do something with the people mover. But it's also not unprecedented because there's other spots in Tomorrowland where you have just the people mover track and it's not attached to a building. But yeah. uh, to, to Ben's point on a treehouse, I could put this with a completely different theme over in Adventureland. The other option back in Tomorrowland would be replacing the restrooms between Space Mountain and Carousel of Progress, and you kind of have 
the footprint of the rocket tower stage there. There's a lot of space there where you could conceivably fit an attraction the size of Aquatopia, which is about the size of like a sea ticket dark ride, like a size of a Buzz Lightyear type thing. It's a pretty substantial footprint for something like that. You could probably do it on the speedway grounds, but you're not out of spite to Josh. Exactly. Like the, the speedway, you could get a you could get a great Aquatopia. You could put like five of them there. But <laughs> <laughs> again, we don't like to layer things on top of each other. God, we, Get rid of the damn speedway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. The, I mean that. We Tom also, Stags, get on that. We have also said that the uh, uh, Tom Sawyer Island is a is a place for it. But the idea of like where a flat ride could go, I think, short of removing existing things, there really isn't a lot of space in the Magic Kingdom for even something that small. You've got to restructure the layout of things. So that's where the speedway has to be going soon or their beyond big thunder approach, which opens up a ton of real estate. But uh, as much as I like Aquatopia, I really like your swing idea. I think that's a, it's a cool idea. Thank you. I win. uh, Okay. So Ben wins the magic kingdom. Let's, let's move over to Epcot. What are you, Josh, are you going to compete with Ben on Epcot? What do you got? Well, Sick I know ones. he's just going to put a Gravitron there where Spaceship Earth is, so I can't compete with that. I mean, Ben never in. misses the a lick. <laughs> yeah, zipper. Jeez. <laughs> and it's not even like a permanent one. It's going to be a zipper on a trailer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every, cast, every cast member that works on the zipper has to smoke. Yep. Yeah. And have your teeth knocked out. <laughs> okay. They call, no. They'll call so, it the meth experience. This... this I'm going to concede something here, which is that I'm giving up on Epcot. Um, and and I, what I mean by that is not one that I... One of us. One of us. It's I put done. the Horizon like, Spinner in. Well, what, what I consider to be Epcot's dead, it's not coming back. Okay. It seems like what, what Disney really wants is another Magic Kingdom. So I'm like, why not just lean into that and do it? Okay. And at first, I was, I was thinking more of like a, or something near uh, Mission Space... Okay. That was like a thrill ride drop tower. That was my first thought when I was kind of iterating through this in my mind. But I've scrapped that. And let's gone draw instead. more visual. Uh, let's draw the eye over towards that giant show building that'll be the backdrop of it as well. Well, hang <laughs> on. His you're drop gonna, tower you, is so big, it's going to block that building. If you okay. don't like my first idea, you're going <laughs> to really hate my second idea. Like I said, I'm leaning into the destruction of Epcot here. Okay. And I'm going to build a observation a panoramic gyro tower you know a slow okay. yep. rising the the core of it will be can we call it a like, kissing tower like hershey's park we cannot this is a very highly themed experience tim oh, okay <laughs> uh the inside core is going to be shaped like the the lattice of the a launch tower of a launch pad okay it, it will be high enough so during the day it will just be a ride that you could go on and observe but it will be a add-on if you want to go in for the nighttime show and this Can will we call also it space two twenty. You can't. Well, I, so my original thought too, the, like the drop tower was going to be like based on the elevators that are in, uh, you know, the space two twenties, you know, entrance area. But yep. obviously, the fact that it has a very distinct top would sort of be thematically problematic. So that's why I went with this. Okay. But it also opens up the door, like I said, for extra revenue for selling fireworks packages in there, sure. and adding perimeter fireworks to Epcot uh, and possibly something on the back of the parking lot on what would then be behind Spaceship Earth so that people there would have, they'd be able to see the studio's fireworks, they'd be able to see Epcot, be able to see Magic Kingdom. So it'd be sort of a premium fireworks experience at night and something that, although it would be (laughs) very visually intrusive, would at least (laughs) 
arguably be themed to the space idea. So uh, if Soren around the world taught us anything, there are there are already fireworks in the Epcot parking lot. But other than that, I think it's oh, I think you're on to something. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, look forward to Josh <laughs> announcing this at the next D23 about the having the special elevated viewing area for the nighttime uh, spectacular, <laughs> and then it's canceled two years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Ma- I can't imagine they would build this unless the. Eight or nine years from, you know, from <laughs> announcement to to cancellation. It's a long build time for a uh, for a flat ride, but yeah. I, so I conceptually there is something there no, that Tim, I've thought not of. Flat ride, highly themed experience. Were not you listening during my presentation? Highly, highly themed, pointy thing. The <laughs> exactly. That's I, what I, I've long. You know, that's what I call it. <laughs> I, I have had the thought that hey, the best the best way to deal with the Guardians building is to put something bigger in front of it. And if it's properly if it's properly themed, that that's the spot where you would put it, either there or on the not play pavilion, the uh, Wonders of Light pavilion. So to to put something there that is visually interesting is it's an it's an approach. I don't know. It it's doesn't nothing solves the giant big blue box. But if they were to try to do that, I think hiding it with something else is the better approach. So, well, I mean. Disney's very good at certain things, and what do they call it? Go away, blue. Yeah, uh, you know that's that's not enough. You know, I mean every every show building that we're in, if you look at uh, you know Expedition Everest, that's a show building. It just doesn't look like a conventional building. It's right. like it isn't that the the fact that they built a big building isn't the thing that's unique about Guardians. It's that they didn't do anything whatsoever <laughs> to, to theme it. They put gutters on it. That's true. <laughs> It's a very nice shade of blue. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I think I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is I agree with your idea. If you can, whether it's putting something in front of it, adding something to it, uh, you know, putting rock work over, I don't know, but just just somehow, instead of pretending that people aren't seeing this monstrosity, make it look nice <laughs> enough to where seeing it isn't a problem. I, I agree with that. I I don't know that I necessarily think Epcot needs a viewing tower to expose all the other imperfections and sight lines of the park, but I understand where you're coming from with it. So maybe we can have it. So it's like a 180 degree viewing tower, as opposed to one that kind of views backstage. It's just, there won't be windows in it. There you go. <laughs> you just, just go bring screens. It's pitch black and an alien attacks you. It's a totally different it's, experience. <laughs> woke up to excess tech. And, and then Ben's father uh, feels up his mother. I think that's how it went. Right. Ben? <laughs> yep. Something like that. <laughs> What did you What did you have, Ben, for your idea? Are you going to win this one too? Uh, of course. Don't put it there. That's Hershey Park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've tried to force this ride into. Speaking God of forcing it, uh, <laughs> I've tried to force this ride into uh, uh, previous buildouts. Uh, I think okay. I've always put it into the Magic Kingdom before, but I also think it works here in Epcot. Uh, and when I think of flat rides, honestly. Coming from somebody with two, you know, who had two young children, that there was some limitations to what they could ride in parks. Tim, you'll you'll be experiencing yep. that over the next ten Lower. years. Uh, flat rides, I think, of stuff that the whole family can enjoy, uh, as opposed to a big thrill ride and height requirements, all that. So, I wanted to try to, and this one probably does have a decent height requirement for what it is. Uh, but I I've been a big fan of the Jetpacks Spinner from Shanghai Disney uh, yeah, for a that while. Looks pretty cool. 
and it's just a different take on a spinner. Uh, it, it, I think it looks a lot of fun. It's very sleek looking. It's very futuristic looking. I think it's something that could work in that space uh, in front of mission space and possibly, you know, it still would actually work, you know, quite well with Guardians and what they're doing over there as well. Uh, but it's a small footprint. It can fit in pretty easy. It's a something that everybody can ride, uh, and I think it looks a lot of fun. Like I, 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 that's that's one over there that is a simple ride that I actually would like to see come over here in some capacity. So, uh, putting it over in Epcot, giving it another family friendly attraction, uh, it, and also the kinetic energy of that area, that and the monorail going by, I think it could be a lot, bring a lot of life to that that space. You know, test track cars even in the distance going off uh, behind you as well. So that was my idea, putting the jetpacks ride from Shanghai Disney over uh, in front of Mission Space. Since we're playing God here. Would you prefer it on the ground or perhaps even on top of the Mission Space show building? That would be um, interesting. I, like, I don't like ele- it really just elevated is what I was going for. Yeah, no, I don't I know. Think, I, mean, I, w- I think Sorry, I would have it on the ground myself okay. because as much as I don't like Mission Space as a ride, I actually think <laughs> that building is kind of the cool facade looking, is cool. Yeah, and I don't want to do anything to take that away. Fair. And I think putting that on top of that building would just really throw off the size of what's done on the facade and just not make that come off nearly as cool. This could be something sitting in front of it that could possibly, uh, maybe it's, you know, there it's, it's very, uh, in Shanghai, it it looks like a, uh, it's silver. The, the, the center sphere that the arms coming off of are, are futuristic looking, but it looks like, a technology It's silver. It's the, maybe you could do a planet here. It looks Uh, like a technology. It looks like technology. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> a technology. Uh, <laughs> but, but here, maybe our, maybe this version playing Did into Did I the do front- a technology? <laughs> uh, maybe that center, the the center sphere is a is is a planet. It's the moon. It's something that could also help play into the uh, theming of the mission space building. The the moon isn't a planet. Uh, no, I I, <laughs> I I get it. I get it. I I like that idea as well, and I I was looking for a place to put that. Um, because it is a cool take on a spinner. I, I ultimately didn't put it anywhere, but I, it would be either, either Tomorrowland or on the mission space. Now, if, a, we cool put, thing. if we want to put it on top of Josh's observation tower, that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, just <laughs> stack them on top of each other. You could do it in Planet Coaster. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The idea of... Actually, I don't know if you guys are going to get into this. One of the questions that he asked was the types of flat rides that we like. Personally, uh, I'm going to go over to, uh, to Cars Land here. I really like the Whip ride. I think that works very mm-hmm. well in Cars Land. And it's not as good a version of it over in Toy Story Land, but it's a fun mm-hmm. ride. I'll go on it with uh, uh, with my girls. And it's, it's fun. What I don't like are the trackless flat ride that they have in Cars Land because I just don't think there's enough to it. And I recognize that Aquatopia isn't that different from it, but there's just it's a much more substantial footprint. Do you guys have a style of flat ride that you that you specifically like or don't like? For me, the flat rides I tend to like are ones that are just pure violence. You know, whether <laughs> it's a scrambler type ride or something. Okay, so, okay. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, probably teacups might be the closest thing to that at a Disney yeah, park sure. that I'm currently thinking of. I'm not sure. And that w- that would be on my side of I could do without teacups rides. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a fan of teacups. Stuff that's going to make me dizzy, I'm not really a fan of. 
So the real reason I like flat rides is because they draw people away from the rides that I actually want to do. <laughs> so I, they're diversions. They're B, they're B tickets is what they are. Mm-hmm. And And we've talked about a million times, the parks need them. And, uh, you know, a lot of what Disney spent $3 billion trying to do with my magic plus and its offspring can, it can be done much more effectively by throwing that money at adding attractions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind a spinner. I'll say it. I, I, I Dumbo. I I dated one a few years ago. (laughs) Good Lord. You just Uh, don't want four in a park. That's no, I don't like four in a park, but I also like it, uh, you know, like Aladdin's Magic Carpets we, gets crapped on quite a bit. But the, I like what they did there with, like, the ca- the water features that come off of it to where it's, it's – when, when I've got on Dumbo now, too. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the camel spitting on you. Like, it actually turns yeah. into a bit of a water ride. Like, you don't know if you're going to come around that turn. And if you're, if you're in the front seat, going to get the people behind you. What, like, there's uh, actually – the great example of it, one fish, two fish, red fish, yeah, blue fish yeah. is a blast. We love that ride at, at uh, Islands of Adventure. And so when you can take that, do a, do a bit of a twist on a spinner ride and bring a little bit interactivity to it or a little bit more fun to the element. Like, uh, uh, I think pri- the jetpack uh, one accomplishes that, not with absolutely. water, but yeah. Yeah, but Triceratops Spin didn't. Like, I don't no. need that. I don't need that Triceratops Spin is Dumbo. There's nothing yeah. unique. Uh, it's a, it's an ugly Dumbo. Dumbo yeah. at least has the water. Dumbo <laughs> Dumbo has. Uh, I I like that ride. I I specifically want to go on that every time we're in the park. Um, but yeah, like Triceratops. The Moana spin, it, makeover for that looks at least more visually interesting because yeah, it's going to sure. be over water. Yep. But I mean, we so it's it's not my Hollywood Studios idea, but we've talked about retheming that to Rex and Trixie's Dino ride over yeah. at uh, a toy story but anyway um for for me for epcot i went very simple aquatopia i, I went aquatopia I went, I went with a victorian themed fair in the uk pavilion so a traditional carousel and swing so that's where i'm putting the swing ride but you see these on like seaside amusement parks and they kind of have that victorian vibe to them so yep. I figured mm-hmm. either between the International Gateway and the bulk of the UK Pavilion or between the UK Pavilion and Canada where you've got the um, uh, the World Showplace building, there's mm-hmm. room for these types of smaller things. And I'd say definitely a carousel. Uh, I like the swings. I think the swings have a little bit more of an appeal on water, and this wouldn't be on water. But mm-hmm. uh, those types of kind of classic fair-type attractions that typically have – you know, ornate artwork on them, usually some uh, uh, other Victorian theming, like gold trimming. Uh, that's what I'd be looking for here. And this isn't going to move the needle attendance-wise, but it's going to add something to an area where it logically makes sense. And inevitably, they wouldn't do this without a Mary Poppins tie-in. But, yeah. um, all right, if it's like some uh, some scenes from Mary Poppins depicted along the carousel, fine. Okay, if that... If that gets something that's like a lightly themed Mary Poppins based uh, attraction, then I'm all for it. But I figured you could probably put a couple of attractions in that area as just diversions in the UK pavilion. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm not going to declare a winner on this one. I think, I think Ben definitively won the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I, I will say with the, uh, with your idea back there in the UK and we, the, now that we've seen the canceled plans, as we talked bad about a teacup ride, um, yeah. the canceled plans for the Mary Poppins ride back there, which was going to be an indoor teacup ride, which like digital screens around it to animate the, the, that sequence from Mary Poppins returns, uh, 
kind of I kind of hate that we didn't see how that was executed. Again, it's taking a flat ride but putting a new twist on it, um, which I appreciate the thought and the idea behind. Uh, now that we've seen what that pitch was, what it what they had planned to do with it, uh, I wish we had seen what what that would have actually looked like uh, through execution. It kind of looked like a D ticket setup for a teacups ride, though. Like I understand yeah. what you're saying. I honestly would prefer a couple of smaller things like you would have in fantasy, like in fantasy land where you have the teacups and the carousel and, you know, your spinners all as flat rides that are not necessarily next to each other. But yeah, if you wanted to include a teacup attraction in this mix, I just don't like the idea of building an entire street for a teacups ride. I think that's excessive. I I just, we all have teacups rides in our local amusement parks. We have it at Disney world. We have it at Disneyland. Um, these teacup rides have never had a story behind it. They've, there's never been any more thought behind the actually. <laughs> like, what they the, really need one? No, so that's what I kind of would be interested <laughs> yeah. to see. Like, All right, what? so here's your motivation, your tea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, how they would have done that. What if they had brought some of that like screen technology used over at Runaway Railway to make you things appear? You want spinning. <laughs> That's what this is going to be totally vomit-inducing. Oh, absolutely. But I still would have liked to see the execution. It's going to be like, all right, which one, which which is going to be the bigger vomit comet, that or Mission Space? What's going to take you out? I think this one might do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you put moving uh, like projections on around on or around a teacup ride, you are going to get people losing their lunch on a regular basis. That sounds but, awesome. Um, let's move over to the studios. Did, let me let me phrase it this way: Did any of us come up with something that wasn't in Toy Story Land? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you guys have the floor. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. I mean, I came up with an idea. It doesn't belong there and it shouldn't happen. The only thing I could really think of was a TIE fighter spinner. Okay. Yeah, you shouldn't, yeah. This shouldn't happen. I mean, it, but I was just thinking star jets, but, you know, different theming, but there's, I can't think of, that's Wasn't actually that a part one of the original proposals for like the Chris Beatty Star Wars land. Wasn't there like a TIE fighter spinner in there? God, that's, that's weak if it was, yeah. but I, I think the board is like, no, you need to spend more money. <laughs> you need to go do your actual job. <laughs> go create something. It would have looked beautiful and it would have been like, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I so, mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, yes, it, you know, if you wanted to put it like adjacent to Star Tours, that might make more sense. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how you theme that. If do, do you do it indoors, but then you run into kind of the same problem that I was just making fun of Ben for. <laughs> that would actually be kind of cool indoors, like an in, indoor spinner in space and dark. That actually might. That's not you could, atrocious. If you could do it without, I just think because I thought when I had that idea, that's what I was thinking of. Like I, I would immediately throw up if you actually put me in this. I think <laughs> just something about going around in a circle—it's worse than a roller coaster. <laughs> ben, what did you come up with? Uh, I came up with something that should be in Toy Story Land, but I'm not okay. putting it in Toy Story Land um, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I Trixie Spinner, but it's going next to Rock and Roller Coaster. <laughs> well, no, it, it's it's a pretty obvious one. It's RC Racer. Okay, it, it's it's definitely something that seems to be a pretty popular ride everywhere it's been put in the other parks. It definitely would fit in with Toy Story Land, but I feel that back half of the park has become a bit heavy. Um, okay. That there's just while it needs more, that's where everything is um, okay. at the moment. So my thought was to try to pull some of those people away, and you have the 
Lightning McQueen Racing Academy, and I think you could easily do something like this with a with a cars theme to okay. it up on the uh, end of Sunset Boulevard to uh, eventually pull more people back down that way and maybe take a little pressure off of uh, Star Star Wars and and Slinky so like Dog car- and stuff so like that way. So like a cars themed half pipe. You could do it with Lightning McQueen, easy. Yeah. A, a, a Cars version of the half pipe, because I don't think we're ever going to get Radiator Springs racers out there, the indoor version of it that they've always talked about. I think with the uh, consistent rain in, in Florida, that that attraction would just be down all the time. Uh, so maybe going, but Cars, I think, could definitely have a, a another ride or two out there, and that's one that'd be a much easier piece to put in put it down put it back there uh there, there is some area behind the uh radiator springs uh sorry the uh the lightning mcqueen racing academy and, and between the launch tunnel and the in the show building for coaster you could do something in that little area back there if you wanted to and build out a mini cars land in that area but you i think that attraction is fun it's something i would definitely like to do uh and there are other cars flat rides around the world as well. So if you wanted yeah. to supplement it, you could do a cars mini land. That's yep. like a kitty land. And that's but. a park that needs some stuff that, and again, this, this probably has a decent height requirement on it, but if you did this along with a couple other uh, cars, flat rides, uh, it would, it would be a welcome addition to that park. I think. So you mentioned something that I also ignored the fact that this park needs stuff without height requirements. <laughs> and my suggestion is very on the nose. I'm calling it Woody's Roundup, and it is a Woody-themed Roundup ride uh, that you would wedge between the Woody's Roundup Rodeo Barbecue and the Slinky Dog Dash. But uh, the, help me, what is a Roundup ride? I'm not so that. you've you've seen them in like they're they're death traps is what they are. But oh, it's a, it's a like a, uh, like a <laughs> they just a, got rid of Primeval World and they put yeah. this thing in. <laughs> so Woody it's like a zipper. A, it's a steel it's like a, a steel grate where you're you're pressed up against a wall you're standing and uh, the ride spins and you're kind of forced back against that steel grate and usually it's on an arm so it might pivot like 45 to 90 degrees um, but if you just google what a roundup ride is you'll see the visual of it because they're in most fairs around the country so you know I was, I was by the way specifically trying to stay away from anything that would be found in a fair oh yeah yeah this thing <laughs> yeah so the reason the reason why I went with this is because it is the the name the name dynamic works but I I think you could put like make it look like a lasso the way that they came up yep. with the idea for Toy Story Land is everything is a ride playset. So the theming for it isn't conceptually that difficult, but this would also very much be against how Disney does things. And it would be a thrill ride. It probably would have a height requirement in excess of 40 inches, which is not really what that park needs, but I wanted to go with a name. So <laughs> that's really what I, I thought, went with that. I, and I accuse Ben of being the Gravitron guy. This could <laughs> actually be worse than a Gravitron. <laughs> At least I can listen to Winger when I'm riding the Gravitron. That's right. It's killed more people than any attraction on iDrive. <laughs> I do think, though, Ooh. that there is place for a flat ride between Slinky Dog Dash and the barbecue place that you kind of have a, a thin stretch of land that you can have a queue and some sort of flat ride there that I really think they need to add, whether it's the um, uh, like the Sarge's drop tower, the parachute drop tower or something. I don't know that you could necessarily fit the RC racers that Ben wants to do. That would probably be the ideal attraction. But most other things that are in Toy Story lands around the world could probably fit on that footprint. But, Tim, about how long have we been doing this show? Uh, at least a year. I don't know. 
It's been, it's been several years now, right? Yes, it has been. Um, this is your worst idea ever. I oh, just it's not a good to, idea. <laughs> but I, just want to give you credit. Um, but I could, I could call it Woody's Roundup. That's really what I wanted. It's so shitty, it just might work. <laughs> I'm not going to, this is not a hill I'm going to die on. Uh, 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 <laughs> they could put the Hatbox Ghost in it. Would that make it better? Maybe. <laughs> Why don't we, excuse me. Why don't we move over to the Animal Kingdom? And I mean, here, I don't even know where you, where you start. <coughs> where did you guys work out of? Where did you put the uh, attractions uh, that you're working on? Oddly, this is, Josh and I had a similar idea with, okay. uh, with his idea for Epcot, I thought something with an observation tower would work cool here because of just getting some height to being able to see over this park would, would be fun. Okay. But it would also, I then recognized going up to vertical was going to throw off <laughs> anything uh, as, as far as you're going to see this from all over this park. Uh, and so I didn't want something I'd be riding the safari and being like, what's that carnival ride looking thing over there? Uh, so, so I eventually went away from it. Uh, between Tim's that, rather I, breaks off the axle and rolls <laughs> over to the animal kingdom. <laughs> We've killed uh, an elephant. <laughs> I would have loved to have put like a Starflyer ride in uh, somewhere, which is those large swing rides. Okay. We, we have one here at Six Flags Over Texas called the Texas Sky Screamer. It's 402 Actually. feet high. Oh, uh, shit. It's, I mean, but the cool thing oh, about it about. Yeah. is yeah. when you get up that high, like you see Dallas – to your to your uh, east, you see Fort Worth to your west. You're over the 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 Cowboys football stadium. You're over the Texas Rangers baseball stadium. You see the entire park. If I look out my back window right now, I can see the top of it from the the upper floor of my house. And we're you know Texas is very flat, so but we're we're 15 minutes away from the park. But it's it's that high up. It's a massive thing, which would just co- having something that tall in one of the parks. I think would be cool because you would see. I would love to see everything from that vantage point with it not being an air file balloon uh, yeah. <laughs> at Disney Springs. Uh, but again, I, it, going that direction, it was just going to take up, mess with the theming, mess with sight lines. I didn't want to deal with any of that crap. So I, I eventually reverted back to an idea that would probably go near the Wonders of Flight area uh, because I think it's really the only area that we could. Is that what? what, what bird, what's it called now? Birds of Wonder? I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, so it is used called. to be called <laughs> Flights of Wonder. Flights of Wonder. Uh, but it's, it's not called that anymore. It's, it was like Up a Bird Adventure. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it's called now. I like so it. It's substantially better than the Up show. If it's going to stay Up for a while, because I do, I do think it is still themed to Up. It's not. No, it's not. They they pulled that out, thankfully. Well, we're going to bring Up back to the show. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> True Disney style. Rebuild all the props we just destroyed. Uh, my my idea for a flat ride was probably going to be back in that area, but it was going to be... We I had talked about this before, I think on the last show, about why Up's not in that park with more of a presence now. Feathered like Friends in Flight is what it's called. Yeah. Now, um, which I, is, are you sure Kevin's not in that? He's not. Uh, as of last year, when I went, they <laughs> took Kevin and Russell out, and it's a substantially better show. So and, they don't, we, and they're not paying equity actors. They've got the animal trainers doing all the jokes that the equity actors did in the Lights of go. Wonder show. But they well, we're did hire go. a bunch of actors to train animals, so yes. it all works out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go with a much uh, more substantially shorter kind of drop ride. Uh, okay. But we're going to theme it after up. We're going to take the, uh, what it, in most of the Toy Story lands overseas, it's the Green Army Parachute Ride. It's yep, the yep. Jellyfish Ride at DCA. Uh, we're going to put those towers in, but above the seats is going to be a bunch of balloons. 
That, yeah, the, 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 the theme is the balloon takes you up in the air and then lowers you back down, gets you at a decent height that you can see over some of the land, see some of the area, uh, but just a pretty simple flat ride drop tower, uh, a drop I don't, it's not a tower, I don't think. Oh, would you call it a drop tower? Maybe, I don't know. But theme it to up, I think it makes sense with the balloons. You can build it into the wilderness, explore stuff, put uh, uh, put that in and around it. But uh, that that's that's my way of shoehorning the first up attraction into that park. I don't nice. hate it. The I mean, it's it's super colorful for like the Asia section. Mm-hmm. Although that's kind of like no man's land for where mm-hmm. that's actually themed to. Yep. But at the same time, you don't really want to put it uh, earlier in the park because no. if you actually want to see some semblance of animal activity with the height, then you kind of have to put it back there. So, and I think if it. you put it back there in that stretch between Africa and Asia, uh, you can still kind of have it hidden maybe a little bit yeah. to where it doesn't take away from the tree of life focal point that you enter the park. Cause I, I still love that. I think it's insanely impressive when you come around that corner for the first time and the tree of life is there in front of you. So putting anything up in front of the tree of life is going to take away, uh, from that. I did also think you could maybe do this in the avatar area, uh, with the creatures that kind of float up and down that are on the, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, and maybe base it around that and have those creatures kind of floating up in the air or floating back down. Uh, I thought that could work in that area as well. But that that that, that would be my flat ride is that that little kind of drop uh, drop att- attraction. I don't hate it. It's no Woody's Roundup, but I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Woody's what do you Roundup. got? <laughs> uh, you'll like this one, maybe. Uh, I'm going to drop an Aquatopia where that stupid kite show is. <laughs> David, David I, 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 I kind of thought about that too. I also thought about putting it in Echo Lake, and it's, I'm yeah. putting it everywhere. So, <laughs> yep. No, I don't hate that at all. I think, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge area. But yep. yeah, I'm for it. I mean, I'm not going to argue with an Aquatopia. <laughs> I mean, you could buoy it off to make it, you know, logistically. It's not the entire thing. Doable. Yeah, but the way that yep. Aquatopia is set up in Tokyo, it's adjacent to a larger body of water anyway. So. Right. You can, yeah. So, yeah, that would work. I mean, that space is begging to be used for something other than what it's being used for. So, right, right. That is a trackless ride, and so is Mystic Manor. So, can we just make Mystic Manor a trackless flat ride? And I think that needs to get in that park. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Virtually identical. Um, (laughs) my, My idea was. So I don't know if you guys have seen this over in like the least heralded ride in Disney Sea is a double decker carousel with a lot of animals on it. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna put this from the walking path from like the Flame Tree Barbecue towards the Asian Bridge, and I'm gonna put a double decker carousel with like the the continuation of the Discovery Island theming. So like the Oaxacan South American style animals. Um, or, or it could just be, you know, generic animal theming where it's a carousel of not just horses. And it might uh, result in the removal of a couple of those snack stands that are along that stretch and maybe some of the seating and flame tree. But there is enough room to just do something basic like a carousel. And I do think the Animal Kingdom needs something like that. Uh, the double-decker carousel over in in Tokyo is themed to their Arabian coast section. So it wouldn't be a direct lift, but uh, just a a unique version of a carousel. Uh, And I think that continuing those carved animal themes that are uh, an underappreciated level of theming in that park is where I was going for here. So yeah, Yeah. I like that. We should probably read uh, our show topic uh, 
writer's ideas here. So these are some of Ray's ideas. Uh, for the sake of time, you don't have to mention all of them on the show. But anyway, <laughs> Epcot was such a beautiful park before the Stargate was installed in Lagoon. Good news. This is predating that. Uh, yeah. a, a rotating observation tower could allow for more opportunities to take in views from a higher elevation. Nice to know you guys are on the same page. Uh, <laughs> but not at, the, not at the expense of further ruining the sight lines. Well, Over- you're gonna have to, you're gonna make an omelet. You got to break some eggs. Yeah, we're um, gonna make it. Uh, it's it. it Josh's uh, observation tower is gonna be a Moroccan theme, so it fits in with <laughs> Morocco and the Tower Terror. Well, speaking of Morocco, he's moving the flying carpets out of Adventureland, moving into the small area between Morocco and France. But give us some beautiful theming like the version of Tokyo Disney Sea. I, I think it's racist. Pe- people uh, really praise the Aladdin spinner over at Tokyo Disney Sea. It's it's better, but it's still a spinner. It's still not. It, it you can only theme a spinner so well. So let's not pretend that this is immaculate. It is it is not the strongest point of Tokyo Disney Sea by any means. What about a drift car themed bumper cart thing over at the Japan Pavilion? <laughs> sure, why not? We could get uh, Vin Diesel to uh, poorly act and theme the pre-show. <laughs> I don't think so, he's Japanese. I'm not sure. <laughs> Someone on the show already mentioned moving Triceratops into Toy Story Land. I'd also build a clone of RC Racer next to the Toy Soldier Parachute Drop. Okay. Uh, reevaluate the idea of a red car trolley. I'm kind of surprised none of us went this direction as well to put that type of attraction in uh, in Hollywood Studios. I think if they were to somehow, however they were decided to do it, but connect the animation courtyard to the rock and roller coaster courtyard and have a full loop, that would make for a better footprint for a for like a trolley track like they have over in, in uh, California adventure um, over the animal kingdom. He said, if Chester and Hester stays in the animal kingdom, replace primeval world. It's already gone with two more flat rides, like a dino carousel and a Ferris wheel. Uh, sorry, Ray, I'm going to totally disagree with you that we don't need flat rides over there. We need actual <laughs> things to draw people. Um, if it does go away, an expansion of Pandora that was fully enclosed, like mermaids, lagoon and Disney sea. That's actually not an atrocious idea, but the um, the Mermaid Lagoon at Disney Sea has like a bunch of indoor things, yeah. probably akin to the um, the old Bugs Land in California Adventure, were very small, probably no more than like three hundred people per hour type spinners that were highly themed and looked very good, but it was very much a kiddie area. So they were spinners that were a step down, probably like a ticket level spinners, and then you had the Heimlich's choo-choo train, which was, I think the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad had a track that was nine times longer than what this track was. You know, if you could do with that, though, that would be kind of cool is make it to seem like it's a cave system that you're entering. Okay. And if you had a couple of attractions in there, but the but the main centerpiece being that, uh, I, I think you guys have seen it, the uh, Banshee, the living Banshee experience that has traveled around. And I think that's the thing that Iger was talking about putting uh, Avatar in Disneyland. And a lot of people think that's what it's going to be, but it's a full size audio animatronic Banshee uh, that, uh, you know, can actually this kind of twist is almost like that dragon that's underneath the castle at Disneyland Paris. Uh, yeah. But maybe an, an area that it seems like you're going to a cave system. There's a ride or two down there, but the main centerpiece is going in there and seeing that Banshee up close and personal. Uh, that could That'd actually be, be cool. pretty yeah, darn cool back there. So perhaps any, so there's been talk of a Pandora expansion 
and making it so that that is a kitty section. I never really thought about, but I think that's not a not a horrible idea. So you do have perhaps as a as you said a walking path, but also a couple of smaller things that make sense. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably going to wrap our show today. If you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. We do have a chat as well. Just post in the thread on the Marty Called Facebook group and we will add you. Uh, we'd also appreciate it if you rated and review the show on iTunes. It helps spread the word on the show and increases our sponsorship income, of which we are. Uh, we need to. I think the next dollar will be the first dollar of sponsorship income we get. <laughs> so anything, anything that goes on from there. Anyway, Ben, where can There's we find you? There's got to be online? some VPN that will sponsor us. They sponsor every damn YouTube video in the world. <laughs> uh, we can see where Gary's getting his sponsors. Ben, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water. Josh, same question. I'm sorry, X. You can find com. me on X. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't want everybody going to Twitter and looking for me and not finding me. It's, I'm on X these days. I'm on XXX.com. <laughs> uh, same place as always, utilidors.com. And you can find me on X, formerly Twitter, under the username at Inferno Barge. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good one. Good night. Love you. Meow. Wolf. for you. Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Dee. If you are wise, you will listen to me. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. What are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Da. If you're greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness too, like the Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Doo. Doompa Dee Doo.